0: It's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This
1: is the stinking truth.
0: Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stink Truth Podcast. Mark Schlerth alongside Mike Evans. Week, what are we, week 12? Week 12. Week 12 already as we get set to uh, enjoy this weekend's festivities. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours.
1: Uh, Mike, how are you, buddy? Got my notepad in front of me. You do. All kinds of notes on it. <laughs> yes. Heads Topics. Henceforth forth the term notepad things to talk about yeah. here but uh yeah thanksgiving right i hope everybody has a great uh sure. thanksgiving and sit down and gorge on on football we get some pretty good games hey for once we're actually happy i think i speak for the rest of the country we're actually happy to watch detroit this year oh yeah i mean detroit's a good football team um they are
0: i don't even know i don't even know if i mentioned this in our leftovers podcast or last week's podcast but I think it's worth mentioning, Mike. So I'm just going to – this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want on it. I will remind you if you're being redundant. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting down with Justin Fields. And you always sit and ask questions and you ask about, like, his future and all that kind of stuff. So I get into – finally I get into the, the Detroit Lions defensively. And I just ask him to give me a breakdown of the Detroit Lions and what he thinks of their defense. And it's probably the most interesting answer I've ever gotten because nobody else has ever given me this bit of information. And he said, on film, you can tell a lot about the culture of that organization. Interesting. And then he went on to say, the Detroit Lions play all out, balls out 100% on every single play. And they will flat out hit you. And I thought to myself, wow, that's amazing. Because I always say this to people when I watch film. I can see energy on film. I can see excitement on film. I can see connectivity on film. You could, there's Sometimes you watch a game and you're just like, guys are independent contractors. Mm-hmm. They're playing. And they're playing hard, don't get me wrong. But they're not playing hard for one another. And I thought it was really interesting that Justin Fields said, man, you can see, and and verbatim, you know, I always kind of, you paraphrase these things. I didn't write it all down. But this he did say verbatim, you can see the culture of the organization. They play the game the right way, 100% all out. And that is Dan Campbell. And I told you, you know, walk into that facility, man. Everybody in that facility wants to be there. They want to come to work. They want to go out to the practice field and work hard. The coaches do. The players do. The kitchen staff does. I mean, everybody loves being within that facility because of exactly what Justin Fields said, the culture of that organization. I will tell you this. Detroit, now offensively, they're incredibly skilled, right? I mean, they've got – they're the only team in the National Football League going into last week that had four players with 400-plus yards of offensive production and at least two TDs. Almond Ross St. Brown, uh, Sam Laporta, and then you've got both Montgomery and Gibbs at the running back position. They're phenomenally talented. And the backbone of their organization, as Dan Campbell will tell you, is my offensive line and the best player on my football team and without equivocation is Pene Sewell. But – All that said, defensively, they're not that talented. I mean, when you talk about play hard, but exceptionally hard. But when you talk about breaking down a defense, if you said, hey, all three levels of this defense have superstar players. Hey, man, I think I think Alex Anzalone playing middle linebacker is playing great and he is flying around. But would you qualify him as one of the best? No, you wouldn't. There's nobody in the back end that I would look at and say, wow, you know, um, this guy or that guy is, oh, you know, Tracy Walker is like Brian Branch. Their rookie nickel guy, I think, is playing is playing really good. But it's really Aiden Hutchinson. Now, Aleem McNeil playing really good as well as defense. But you wouldn't you wouldn't qualify any of those guys other than probably Aiden Hutchinson as an elite player and yet they're playing exceptionally hard and that's why they're going to be so much fun to watch on Thanksgiving day. They're a really good football team.
1: Dallas and Washington is it just me or it kind of feels like a last stand game for Washington and Ron Rivera? How
0: how I mean how typical was did you did you read the thing about Washington not having any hot water? Yeah.
1: That's right. After the game so yeah. none of the
0: players could yeah. shower. Both like, locker rooms by the way. Both locker rooms. Yeah, yeah just nothing there their boiler broke at the stadium or some crap. Like, really? You don't have some That new ownership running? group inherited a lot of... Oh, my... A big mess. Oh, my word. Thanks, Daniel Snyder. Yeah, can you imagine having to get on the plane? Like, I mean, you just take a cold shower, and it's... Mi- but that's miserable. It's miserable. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, does, it does feel, to me, it feels like... And I love Ron Rivera, and I think he's a damn good coach. But it feels to me like... The old Bill Parcells line is when you come in and you take over, you fire everybody and you change the carpet. You get the stench out of the building. And I don't believe that Ron Rivera was influenced in any way, shape or form by Daniel Snyder's. As a matter of fact, I think he tried to go the opposite way. But the bottom line, there's an association there and they're trying to they're trying to exercise the association with Daniel Snyder, everything that was Daniel Snyder, any way, shape or form needs to be, you know, excommunicated from the building. And so I, I, it feels like to me, Mike, it's inevitable, like it's going to happen. I just don't know when it's going to happen.
1: Well, I, I want to circle back to, to Ron Rivera as part of a larger topic uh, yeah. here as we move along. I got written down on my notepad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other Thanksgiving night game, we got th- uh, San Francisco and Seattle Are you like me? Like, who is Seattle? Yeah. Who are they? What are they?
0: It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, because like I did their preseason game this year, I went down to camp for a couple of days. Um, they've had a lot of injuries across the board. Their offensive linemen, they've used like 10, 11 different offensive linemen. I don't know where they are health wise there. Um, that certainly set back their their offensive scheme a little bit you know they had to work around that so that may have set them back from a from just a how much we have in how much we can execute how much like it it you know you have to kind of kind of change what you're doing and everything else and does that you know slow down the development of your offense defensively um you know i thought their back end was going to be exceptionally good this year and i think it probably is pretty good but yeah i just it's hard to put your finger on exactly where this football team is. And are they middle of the pack? Eh, probably not. But are they, you know, are they, they're, they're probably somewhere between really good and just above middle of the pack. And, you know, I think that's, I mean, you could probably say that for 80% of all NFL football teams. There's some really bad ones. And then there's a handful of really good ones and everybody else falls into that fair to midland category. But do they
1: have do they fall into that I guess that category of if if you draw them in let's say wild card weekend are they that team you don't necessarily want to play?
0: Oh sure. Because
1: just for any given week they can be dangerous or are they a team yeah, bring on Seattle.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I think they're I think they're a team that any given weekend can beat you. Yeah. And I think Pete Carroll's a hell of a football coach. And, you know, they've got like they've got a wide receiving core that is legit. Geno Smith can get hot, you know. I mean, he can get hard than Wolf Piss every now and again. And then you got a running back that can really they can really roll. And I, I really, even though you don't have names, you have three different tight ends you rotate through there that I think are all really good players. But really the the biggest thing is you know, the biggest thing to me in that game is, where San Francisco? Like, after we saw what went down Monday night between Kansas City and Philadelphia, even though Philadelphia won, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that in the NFC right now, as currently constructed, even though Philly's got the best record, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find too many people that wouldn't say, I think San Francisco's the best team in the in, in the division.
1: Well, we get them next week. San Francisco and Philadelphia. Yeah. So we look forward We look forward to that. But Philadelphia gets Buffalo this week. And by the way, let's mention this about Philadelphia. They were just part of a historical game on Monday night. The TV ratings for Kansas City and Philadelphia, 20, uh, 29 million people watched that game. Mm-hmm. It's the most watched Monday night football game in 27 years. It's incredible. So for all this talk about the – Wussification. I'm cleaning it up. Most people put a P in front of that. The wussification of the NFL and the NFL's gotten soft and the NFL's gone woke and people are turning away. Bogus, man. It's BS. Yeah, yeah it is. It's it, never it, been more popular. Yeah,
0: and, and bottom line is, you know, old heads like me will sit there and go, Ah, oh, I don't like the, you know, there that you can't hit anybody anymore and da da da. da. Yeah, you, you're not uh, honestly. The NFL is not trying to grab me as a fan. They know, like, the NFL's smart. They know they already have me. They know I'm going to piss and moan about it, and I'm going to be like, I don't like it, and there's no such thing as a concussion, you know, and all that kind of crap. <laughs> but the bottom line is they already have me. Right. You know, it, it's like it's like Jerry Maguire. You have me at hello. Yeah. I, I was there. I'm there for you guys. Even though I can complain and piss and moan and do all that stuff, you know, Sunday rolls around, I'm still going to, you know, or Monday night rolls around, I'm going to sit down on my couch, mm-hmm. and I'm going to watch. You got me. This is really about catering to the next generation of fans that grew up playing fantasy football and video games. Like, that's... So, they don't know any better. Like, they're... You know, is it wussified? Maybe. But you're selling it to more wussified nations. So, I mean, <laughs> well, we're selling a wussified game... That's a topic, game, for, that's a topic right? for another day. We're selling a wussified <laughs> game to a bunch of wussies. They, right. they, they love it. They yeah. they consume it. And the numbers the numbers prove
1: it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, bottom line, they... The numbers are the numbers, and the numbers are great. Kansas City, by the way, we watched the Chiefs play the the other day, and how about this? They are the lowest-scoring second-half team in the entire NFL. 32 out of 32 teams. The Chiefs are dead last when it comes to second-half scoring. They haven't scored a second-half touchdown since October 22nd. So let me – what's going on?
0: Well, I mean, they're like – Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw a catchable ball. His guys are his guys. <laughs> He's got to
1: throw a more catchable ball. Yeah, his
0: his guys. Softer. Either, he, it's either that Patrick Mahomes does not throw a catchable ball or his wide receiver's hands are made of feet. One of the other things has got to be true. Like the, the amount of balls
1: those guys yeah. drop yeah. is unbelievable. Is it just that, though? You blame it all on that or are there some other deeper issues? No, I think there's there? I think
0: there's I think there's deeper I think there's a lot of deeper issues. I think like for instance. All right. Now, they ran the ball well in the first half. Kansas City did against Philadelphia, right? But we both know that Andy Reid is not a guy that truly wants to run the football. You know, he may run it in spite of what he wants to do. But what he really wants to do is to out scheme you to out create to out, you know, gain you throwing the football and to really like, that's, that's what he likes, right? He likes that you know, getting the goal line or getting red zone. And all of a sudden Travis Kelsey's under center. And then he motions out and they flip it to somebody and, you know, and, and, you know, that's really where he wants to live. Right. and, I think one of the things, you and I have this argument all the time about just the running game in general. And, like, I watch entirely way too much film. Like, I watch film, uh, you know, every week preparing for games and stuff. And one of the things you see is the Vic Fangio influence on the National Football League. And the Vic Fangio influence is we're going to play some form of of two-shell, you know, two-high-safety shell, middle-of-field open shell, And we're going to keep everything in front of us, right? Whether we're playing cover two or uh, quarters or cover six, uh, you know, whatever. But we're going to keep everything in front of us. And you're not going to get over the top of our heads. And, you know, it's really interesting because you get into the red zone and you see so much of that two-shell defense. And a lot of times what they'll end up doing is if you get a three-by-one formation, you'll lock that that one side. If you have a really outstanding corner, you'll lock it and you'll – kick your extra safety down over to the three man side, or if that guy is just that good, you'll double team him and you know, and you'll you'll live in, in zone on the other side. But one of the things, and man, it just resonates with me because I heard it so many times. Like, if we got into the red zone when I played and you thought you were gonna put some shell defense against us, we're gonna oh almost I almost said the F word. We are going to cram it down your freaking throat. Like Mike Shanahan would stand in front of our team and go, they think that they can get away with playing too high safeties? We'll run their ass out of that shit before you can even, you know, I mean, he would just go off. And it was an affront. Yeah. I mean, it was an insult to all things football. And when you get them out of that, whether you do it formationally with you know big with extra tight ends and a fullback and all that stuff, or you just cram it down their ass, eventually they get into a single high structure where you know you got one on ones on the outside, and we would force you to get out of that stuff. And teams fact, aren't doing that. No, because they want to be fancy.
1: You've always said, and I guess you'll put Andy Reid in this category then. There are too many offensive coaches out there that are just looking for an excuse, making up an excuse to not run the football. Oh, we tried. A couple of carries, two yards. Yeah,
0: and they don't don't truly – they're not truly committed to it. It's what I would call a commitment run. I am committed to this because I'm going to run your ass out of that defense. Mm -hmm. And when I run your ass out of that defense, now I'm going to have a little bit of space – the intermediate throws that we don't have when you're in that defense. And especially you know and especially in in the red zone, Mike, this is where it's really prevalent in the red zone where you don't need to get depth. you don't need to get as much depth. you know why? Because you can't exploit people over the top because the end line becomes an extra defender. So so all of a sudden, you know, you swing the ball out like like the Broncos the other night, swing the ball out in the flat. It's eleven, it's twelve, it's fourteen, it's six, you know, they're getting all these yards because everybody's playing deep. Now all of a sudden in the red zone, my rolled up corner in a cover two, my rolled up corner, instead of getting eight and trying to get, you know, and trying to slough off to, you know, sitting at eight and trying to slough off to twelve yards, take away the corner route behind him. Now all of a sudden he's sitting at six, and you throw that, you you throw that ball, that swing pass out there, and he just yep. snaps on it. The guy catches it and wham gets hit in the gut by a corner. Because I don't have to give that ground. You know why? Because you can't get over the top of us.
1: I'm not worried about you getting over the top of us. So, because this this leads to a bigger discussion here, because if if you've been paying attention as a football fan, you know scoring is down. It's at its lowest level in 13 years. So you're telling me that these offenses could run these defenses out of that, that Vic Fangio two high-safety look, but evidenced by the fact that the scoring's so low, they're just choosing not to? It's the definition of insanity right. doing the same thing over and over again? It's Thinking not, you're going to get a different no, result? no,
0: no, 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 no. It's not that they're choosing not to. It's that they don't know how to and they haven't worked at it because they don't want to that's that's the issue that's a like like I always say this the, the greatest skill in football is moving a man from point A to point b. You think it's a, throwing an accurate football as a quarterback? give me a break. That's not the greatest skill. that's not even close to the greatest skill. Try being a corner in this league you know not touching anybody and not being able to touch people beyond five yards and and being able to cover guys try, try being a corner in this league. You think, like, an elite-level corner against the receivers and the route combinations and all the stuff they have, and every rule is bent toward the offense having success? That's far more skillful than me throwing an accurate ball down the seam. Give
1: me a break. Well, people are taking notice. Tom Brady, perhaps you've heard of him, everybody. Yeah, yeah. He came out the other day in an interview and said he doesn't like today's NFL. Mm-hmm. Thinks the quality of play is bad, mediocre. He says yeah. there's a lot of mediocrity out there, mm-hmm. a lot of bad coaching out there. Sure. Players um, aren't aren't taking care of themselves, protecting themselves. Offensive players aren't protecting themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's your reaction to that?
0: Um, I think there's a lot of a, a lot of truth to that, and I think he's like I think he's hundred percent correct um, that it's not as good, and guys aren't as in depth and don't have as much knowledge as they did back in my day and early in his day. And there's, there's no question about those things. I mean, I just talked about it in the running game. I mean, teams don't know how to run it because they haven't worked on it enough. And there hasn't been enough development in the game to make that happen. So he's 100% correct on that stuff. Now, part of it is we as players are we are flipping stupid. And every time we sit down at the negotiating table, we can't get anything we want, and the owners know that we can't survive a lockout. So we start accepting, you know, any little scrap they throw off the table, and we start negotiating for things that actually hurt us as players. Like, we don't have the balls to sit out and to say nope, we're not going and we don't have the solidarity for the guys who make all the money in this league to support the guys who don't make any money in this league we don't, we don't have that it's not part of our makeup as players therefore the owners know that they can squeeze and eventually will pop and so what do they give up well do they give up insurance for the rest of your life after you beat the shit out of yourself nope Nope, none of that stuff. None of the stuff that's important. They trade away practice time for more games and more money. And we're stupid enough to accept it. We lock ourselves out of $100 million facilities. We, we lock ourselves out of because why? Because, damn it, we're not coming in now. We want more free time. You know, and then we go train like track stars and we wonder why everybody tells tears their Achilles and their ACLs and, like, nobody can be healthy and nobody can make it through. Like, we wonder. Well, because we we don't train like football players anymore. And we lock ourselves out of, like, like this is one of the things that just blows me away. You thought that creating a rookie wage scale was going to pass money on to veteran players. You guys are so stupid. Like, you think that was going to happen? Like I'm gonna save a hundred million dollars on rookie salaries. I'm just gonna be magnanimous and pass it on to you veteran guys. No, they're gonna pass it on to eight veteran guys. The rest of you are gonna be fighting for the rest of the scraps. And oh, by the way, by the way, why would I keep an eight-year veteran and pay him a minimum salary of Two and a half million, or whatever it is or two million whatever whatever the, the minimum wage is 1.8 whatever it is why would I keep an eight-year veteran who really has never truly developed as a football player right and pay him two million dollars and he's an, a descending athlete when I can pay five hundred thousand dollars to a guy who doesn't have he maybe not have that much football knowledge but he's not that far behind the eight-year veteran but he's an ascending athlete why would I do that? it's so stupid and i got one last one last little little thing that this really bothers me about today's game there's nothing you can do about it because you know you gave the curfew up right you gave up the 1 a.m. curfew you can't reel it back to 11 so the one other thing that that deters players from being really good is they don't spend enough time together studying the game in my day you rolled into the facility and we all, well, I made Mike Shanahan bring breakfast, and he goes, Why? I go, Because it'll get everybody in here to study together. And what ended up happening is we all sit in a film room. It's me, and it's Tommy Naylon, and it's Gary Zimmerman, and it's Brian Habib, and it's Dave Diaz Infante. And we sit in there and say, Hey, we'll re- rewind that. Man, you see how that guy lined up compared to the last couple times he lined up? Every time he lines up like that, man, they're doing a TE game. Yeah. We can call that in the game. That, uh, or you see that safety? That safety is displaced. Why is that safety displaced? Well, he's trying to take away that. He's trying to take away that slant. So what does that mean? You know, what are we gonna What are we gonna get if he displaces like that? Or that linebacker displaces? So what does that mean? Well, that linebacker's out. They're gonna exchange that linebacker's responsibility with the safety. So th- the safety will rotate down here. Like so. You, you sit in a film room and you watch all that stuff and you watch it together. No, nowadays, they all take their little iPads and they go home and they, you know, watch whatever they watch on their iPad. You know, and you can monitor how many minutes the guy watched his iPad or whatever. But you're not connecting with the guy that you're playing beside watching it in your living room. Yep. You know why the kids are playing.
1: So during those teen breakfast film sessions, were you enjoying your oatmeal? No. Huh. Were you a big oatmeal eater? No, I was not an oatmeal eater. Mark.
0: Oatmeal's for wide receivers and kickers. <laughs> we ate eggs and bacon. There you go. Eggs and bacon. Go.
1: A lot of what Brady had to say, I was nodding my head at, but there was one part where he shifted, and I was like, "Dude, really?" Little hip, little you know, pot calling the kettle. Where yeah. he started talking about some of the uh, uh, bogus hits. Oh in, right! In, yeah. in in football and how yeah. maybe the games gotten a little soft and things like that. I'm like I'm like Tom. Come on, you were the one that would you would you you started the whole thing with the quarterbacks and the late hits and the flags. You would you would get brushed by a feather and you'd look up at the official and you'd yeah. be like this and now, flag would come out right. and I mean you come on you kind of started. I I get what you're trying right. to do there, but come on now. Yeah, you definitely whine for a
0: lot. You whine for flags, right? Yes. But. And and you know and I, and I joke and I make fun of Tom Brady for whining for flex. That dude was tough as nails, man. That dude took some shots, oh, yeah. took some shots. It was just a little hypocritical. I, I get that, I get that. But the league allowed it. And one thing we know about Brady, if the league, or any good player,
1: sure, so if I'm the home league, to it last Monday night, right?
0: If a league allows it, if the league allows it, then why wouldn't you not do it? Right. I saw a game. I saw. I was watching. Well, I've got the Tennessee game this weekend. T- Tennessee Titans. And Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best D-tackles in, in football. Man, he's a, an amazing player. And they ran a game. It was a great game, man. Simmons is on a wide three technique, and he leaps out, and he grabs the V that right where the shoulder pads connect of the offensive tackle. And he holds him 1000 1, and then he lets him go. Well, that allows the defensive end, edge player, to run a tight hoop corner, and he ends up getting a sack. And I'm sitting on the plane watching this as I'm going home from the game I just called between Chicago and Detroit. And um there's an NFL official on my plane that I know well. He lives in Denver. I say, Come here, come here, come here. Come here. And so he's I'm in I'm in five B and he's in four E.
1: First class, everybody. Yes. Mark Schlereth only travels first right.
0: class. That, that is correct. <laughs> yes. So uh, unless I'm paying for it, then I'm in the back. So, <laughs> But if you're paying for it, I'm in first class. So um, so I say, come here, look at this, look at this. And so I show him, and he doesn't, he, like, didn't see. And I go, no, no, look where his hand goes. And he goes, you grab it. This is an old D-line trick. And he's grabbing in here. And he's like, oh, my gosh, look at that. And he goes, where we are positioned, because now they're behind the offensive line. There's no way I could call that because I can't see it. Right. you and you'll never see it. And they used to be in behind, you know, the behind yep. the, where the linebackers sit. And I go, so it's it's just a another way that defensive players cheat their asses off uh. and get away with it. And I just am trying to bring it uh, to your attention. Okay,
1: yes. But speaking for all offensive linebackers. Right.
0: <laughs> yes. Speaking I'm just trying to I'm just trying to help. Yep. But but I, always, I feel like this. I feel like there's needs to be. Can we institute a new rule on the program? New rule. New rule. If you beg for a flag, if you're a receiver and you get hit, and you throw your hands, up like right? You're begging for a, P.I., P.I., throw the flag. <laughs> or you're a quarterback that whines, he hit me. Automatically, uh, you should not be able to get a call.
1: Yeah, well,
0: I'm fine with that. So if you whine for flags, bam, plays off. How about we, that
1: we had another Kareem Jackson hit oh for the Broncos uh, another suspension this time a four game suspension was not reduced down to two he's serving the full four mm-hmm. it has led to a uh, intense debate here in Denver but it's also branched out just the idea of come on what are these defensive players supposed to do right uh, uh, what about the hypocrisy of you know the rules the rule but you only seem to enforce it with quarterbacks even quarterbacks that become runners. You know, what about the receiver who gets drilled coming across the middle? They don't always sure, call that. Sure. What do you do? Cuz it's really yeah. got fans frustrated. And and my message is like, look, folks, in, instead of expending all this energy, players, instead of expending all this energy, just understand. You're not going to get anything to change. Save your energy, just adapt and and play the game.
0: You know, the, Stop complaining yeah, about the it. funny thing to me is is what one of the things I've heard from a bunch of players uh, on social media and everywhere else is uh, there's no consistency in the rule the way you call the rule. And, you know, when it comes to helmet to helmet and defenseless players and blah, 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 you know, there's just no consistency. And they throw a bunch of players of like you said of there was one where Cortland Sutton got hit on Monday night by a Buffalo player. Right. And it looked identical to what Kareem Jackson did. and I, And my my answer to that is. Well, where where in the National Football League where in officiating in general, is there any consistency between crew to crew or, or call to call? There's zero consistency in the way PI is called. There's zero consistency in the way holding is called. Each crew is different. We used to get we used to get a scouting report on the crew. Hey, be careful because this crew will throw a lot of penalties or a lot of flags for this. This crew will throw a lot of, hey, you can get away with this because this crew doesn't throw that flag, right? So you'd have a scouting report on the crew and the way they call a game. So, I mean, there is no consistency, universal consistency. As hard as they try, they can't. They're human, just like the players are human. They're going to make some mistakes. The bottom line, though, for Kareem, if you have – a target on you because of past transgressions, guess what? You better change the style with which you play, because if you don't, even if it's, even if it's can be questioned, you're going, you are not any longer going to get the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, and, and that's just the way it goes. And you're given the benefit of the doubt. If you don't have a, you know, if you don't have a prior record, it's just like a judge. If you don't have any prior speeding tickets and you get a speeding ticket and you expect, explain the situation and how, hey, man, I got caught up and I got into a construction zone and I didn't realize it and that it was brand new that morning, blah, blah, blah. The judge might say, hey, you know what? I'm going to you, let you off on a warning. But if you got 14 speeding tickets and you've got this, that, and the other, and you, you come in there and you say, hey, listen, this is what happened. And the judge would go, based on your prior record, you know what? Not only are you going to get this fine, but I'm going to double it because you're wasting my freaking time because you got a lead foot. I mean, that's Kareem Jackson.
1: But even just for the guy who's got the reputation, I get that. But I hear so many fans and and media complain about how, well, that used to be a good clean hit. You you used to be able to hit like that. That's just football. But as you said earlier in this podcast, the game's changing. The the way that the game is being officiated, who they're trying to reach – it's changed. So I I I think you just have to let go of the whole idea, well, that's the way the game used to be played. That's yes. the way the game should be played. Doesn't matter. It's not the way it's being right. played now. It's not the way it's being officiated. It's not the way the rules are being put out. Either adapt as a player and as a fan, or you're gonna hate your 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 football experience.
0: We used to, you know, we used to do the peelback block.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was a big part. You would have a, we just called it like on a screen. You got the front side guard would be the kick out guy, the center would come looping around, and he'd be the, you know, the alleyway guy. And the backside guard was they just called the peeler. And your whole job was to peel back. And when that defensive end turned around to chase the play, you just try to snot clobber him. Whoom! And just ass over tea kettle him, right? And it was great. And everybody knew it was coming. And it was so much fun to do. And it was it cheap? Yep. Cheap as as could be. And it was awesome part of the game. And I loved it. But I also knew payback's a bitch. And when we threw an interception, somebody was looking to get me. And I got, got plenty of times. Mm-hmm. And I was in Buffalo on a, gosh, maybe it was a Sunday or Monday night. We were playing. This when I played for the Skins. We are playing the Bills. And it's a December, like, cold-ass snowy night, you know, just freezing-ass cold. And uh, we threw a pick. And I go sprinting off to get it, and Bruce Smith oh. about decapitated me. And, and so he hits me, like, right in the chest, right? My head just snaps, like, whoa! And I, my head snapped down so hard that snot just <laughs> shot out of both nostrils. I mean, on my jersey, and boom, I went over, like, feet in the air, bam! Hit the back of my head on the turf, Right? And of course, you got to get up like it didn't hurt, right? Again, right? like, you know, barely—I barely have my senses. You know, get up I'm like, hey, good one. I go <laughs> you know, trotting off to the sideline, and I had so much snot hanging down my face. And you know, I'm a—you know me. You work with me. Yeah. My nose bleeds all the oh, time, right? You're a bleeder. So my—I had so much snot down my face because it was a cold night. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like walking off the sideline doing this on my, yeah, like, uh, uh, and I can hardly see, you know, just stars. And I thought my nose was bleeding. And I just look, there's just snot down on my jersey. There's <laughs> snot all over the place. I was like, holy Moses. And I had to, almost passed out on the bench. I was like, oh, oh, oh
1: dry. And yeah. of course it's it's freezing. Right. You know, it's so not like, freezing on your jersey. Like
0: you're sitting there going, Hey man, you got me. <laughs> hey, good one. You, uh, got, you got me. You got me. Uh, and you know what? I mean, I held on every play. So I knew that that was part of it. And that was, but it's no longer part of the game, yeah. you know? And, and I understand why, because you could literally murder some guys <laughs> <laughs> the way, the way the game
1: operates. So just understand it's different. It's going to be called different. They're not, the NFL is not going to change how they no, do business? No. So, as fans and players, yes. you might as well just adjust. You ready to make our picks?
0: I am ready for the money maker picks. Uh, sure to lose you money this weekend if you follow these. Right now, by the way, uh, you are eighteen and I think it's eighteen and seventeen. And I believe I am 18-16-1. Wow. So I've got a commanding, commanding
1: lead on you right that now. That is some mediocrity right there. Yeah. It's, uh, well, I'm better than mediocrity. That's mediocr- what Tom Brady's talking about. Yeah. That is classic mediocrity. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to go with, uh, I'm going to take Philadelphia minus 3.5 over Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to take your game, Tennessee, minus 3.5 over Carolina. Okay. And I'm going to take uh, Thanksgiving. I think Packers are going to. Uh, represent, I I, I love the, the the hook there. I'll take the uh, Packers plus the seven and a half.
0: I'd like to come. Oh, I've got a uh, I've got. No, I don't really have a theme. I said I was going to go back to theme picking. I was two and one last week. You were one and two, so that's why I'm kicking your ass. Um, I don't really have a. Want to th- call well,
1: this the snot bubble picks? Uh, yeah.
0: I, okay. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going Thanksgiving day. I'm going Thanksgiving day as well. I'm going to go San Francisco minus seven. Over whoever they're playing, Seattle, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah, Then I'm going to go Washington, getting 12.5 against the Cowboys. Nice. I think uh, Washington, this is Washington's last stand. Mm -hmm. I think they fixed the water heater. So I think guys will be able to take a hot shower, and that's going to be motivating for the Washington (laughs) Commanders. And then I'm going Baltimore uh, over the Chargers because I believe the Chargers are just going to charge her. Um, Baltimore minus 3.5, I'll take the uh, Ravens over the Chargers. And uh, those are my picks. Ravens
1: might be the best team in the AFC right now.
0: I think they probably. I City think very. Shortles. Yeah, I think I think there's no question that they're best yep. team in the AFC right now. All right, happy well, Thanksgiving, my man. Happy what your mom? My man, my, my man. man? Happy saying, Thanksgiving, my man. You said it like it. Happy Thanksgiving, my mom, <laughs> <laughs> mom, mom. Uh, for everybody involved, the Secret Truth podcast. Have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> we appreciate you guys for Mike. I am Mark. We'll be back with you next week.